0: Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. Clearly, Scripture commands us to pray. Jesus says, when you pray. And so as we head into a week, obviously, of time of prayer with fasting, there's many ways we're going to be doing this. But I want us to think about this. The Apostle Paul said to pray without ceasing. So in other words, he's calling us to be a people who are always in this position, this posture of prayer, listening for the Holy Spirit, listening to what God would say to us, what the Word says to us. So as we embark on this week, we're going to be looking at the book of Nehemiah. We're going to be looking at the book of Nehemiah, and I want you to think about some things about how we can do this. Now, what we have found in the past when we've done the week of prayer is that some of you can make it out. We had all these prayer stations set up. It's quite a bit of work, and we set it all up that we could have the week, and it was was wonderful, but it was not overly used. And so we decided uh, some months ago as a as a staff, we were praying and talking about this. We thought, what is a maybe a more effective way to include everybody who perhaps can't make it out or some other aspect? So we've changed things up. Pastor Wayne mentioned in that back corner there will be a reflective place that you can come and spend time there. The music will be in here. You can come in here. That will be the same. Downstairs below me right here is the soaking room. You can utilize that as well. But what we want to do is... Take advantage of something called the internet. Maybe you've heard of it. And uh, No, kidding. Um, What we're going to do is, for those of you who are savvy enough or can go to our website, if you go to our website, you should see that link right there, Week of Prayer. You go to it, and you link on to it, and there'll be three or four titles, and one is devotions. And every day, there's a devotion from a different chapter of Nehemiah for you to read, and then there's some things to take away from that, and then some prayer requests. Why? So that all of us can be operating together at the same time. So if you can access your phone, or your tablets, or the internet, take some time, and and, uh, go there and follow through. It's all laid out for you very simply. You can just follow it through day by day by day as you pray from now until Friday. Now, for those of you who don't have access to internet, we've made a number of these booklets up and they're at the back, you maybe saw them when you came in. So if you have access to the internet, please don't take one of these and uh, don't do it while you're driving or anything like that, all right? But if you, uh, if you don't have access and you want a copy, please feel free to take a copy, it's all there. Also, inside of your bulletin, did you receive one of these? Yes. All right, take it out, please. Take it out, please. Now, not all of you have it, obviously, but most of you should and there's extra copies. On the front, obviously, gives us the uh, the dates, but on the back, we've listed for you um, three things. Mountaintop prayer, which is when? Tonight, Tonight at 6.30, okay? Um, and then on Wednesday, midweek at 7 p.m., we're going to have a time of worship in the Spirit. Worship and entering into the things of the Spirit and for prayer, so don't miss that. And then next Sunday morning, If you contact me and there's been something over this week of prayer and fasting that God has really spoken to you or you've experienced something and you want to share it with the congregation, it's testimony time. Because we want to hear when we spend a week in prayer with fasting, what is God saying and doing? I do not believe for one moment that when we enter into that posture of time and prayer that God doesn't move because he does. And I believe that he's going to be moving in some of your hearts and doing some things that could be through the readings, could be through quiet time, could be through all kinds of things. And and this is the opportunity next Sunday, a week from today, to do that. But also on this card, personal prayer goals for 2018. How many of us here, I wonder, don't put your hand up, set any personal goals at all? I don't mean school. I don't mean employment. I mean personal goals to grow in Jesus. What kind of personal goals do we set as believers to grow in Christ? Because if you don't set them, you won't get there. If you aim at nothing, you hit. And if you don't stand for something, you don't stand for anything at all. And so scripture is clear that we need to be setting these things before us, as we will see in the book of Nehemiah. And so there's that challenge before you. And then finally, what kind of fast are you going to do this week? And we've put the different kinds in the bulletin for you. Not all of them, but some there food fasts, media fasts, and others. Now, it's been said that in North America, in particular in the U.S., most people will read 15 minutes a day outside of their texts and phones and so on, 15 minutes a day and five hours a day watching television. 15 minutes a day reading, five hours a day on average watching television. Now... One thing that you might consider this week if you are a television addict is to lay that down. Now, you may have the shakes and shivers the first day, but you'll get through it. All right? You will. I mean, I'm just saying, think outside of the box. Think of different ways that God... You know, because if I'm consumed by television or consumed by other things, I'm not listening for the Lord. I'm watching whatever it is. And I'm the worst for sports. I always watch football. And I personally do not like new england patriots (laughs) who won again you know it's like just give them the super bowl and let's let's have a party you know i mean yeah see there's some of you there i know i know some of you are great fans of them and that's okay my green bay packers well they're out of it altogether. but so i have to think about that how do you how do you challenge yourself how do i challenge myself to enter that so so those are the things we want to bring to you as a leadership team, to help you grow in Christ. Do you think you can utilize these? All right, so let's let's plan together as a body to do that. And let's see what the Lord is going to do. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I just ask as we enter into this week of prayer with fasting, Holy Spirit, would you help me, help all of us to take these cards and look them over and think about it and pray about it and write stuff in there and, and be accountable in what I write. And then when we take the opportunity to go day by day through those devotionals. Maybe we have other devotionals we use. That's great, but Lord, help us this week to focus on on the devotional on the website or in the booklet and to read it over and let your spirit speak to us. And those takeaways and areas of prayer help us to focus together. And for any who can make it out during office hours when the church is open, please feel free to come and enter into a time of prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I really want to encourage you to do that. Now, as we jump into this, I want us to turn to chapter one to the book of Nehemiah. Chapter one, um, it's a long chapter, so I didn't spend time typing it all out for you because I thought, well, we can still read. So as long as we can still read, or if you can't, you can listen and or have somebody read it to you. But I want us to go there Now, the timing of Nehemiah is very interesting. See, we have to understand historically how things line up. Because there was a time called a man named King Nebuchadnezzar. And he was the king of the Babylonians. And they were the ones who finally captured the northern kingdom of Jerusalem. And they conquered it. And then they took into captivity all these people. And we know some of them, and we'll, we'll hear about some of them. But we need to understand that there came a time, according to God's word in history, that that a man named Zerubbabel, say Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel. Now, can you imagine naming your child that? (laughs) Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the first one to lead the exiles back, and they rebuilt the temple, not to its original state by any means, but they rebuilt the temple because worship is important. And then we have someone by the name of Esther. And Esther followed all this, and she was really the one God used to bring the Israelites, the, the Jewish people, as one together because they were all about to be killed, and God rescued them and brought them all together. So there was this building the temple, then this unifying effect under Esther. And then Ezra. Ezra was the one who read the scriptures again, and there was a great spiritual revival or reform for the people of Israel in Jerusalem. And so we see these three things happening over time and then Nehemiah shows up on the scene. And that's why we need to know why he was going to do what he was going to do and why it was so important. And so I'm gonna read from the NIV. I'm going to read the entire chapter. So either follow along in yours or you can listen. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hechaliah. In the 20th month of Kislev, in the 20th year while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile, also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble. They're in disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you today. Day and night for your servants, the people of Israel, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We've acted very wickedly towards you. We've not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are in the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king, Nehemiah. And so it's no accident that God chose this man in the position he was in. And so we see the the how of his prayer, and we see the what of his prayer. And there's four things that we can take away from this. And And it's nothing new for us, but maybe it's something we need to renew in our walk with Christ. The first thing we see Nehemiah doing here is he acknowledges the greatness of our God. Whenever the worship team comes up here, church, they want to bring us into that place that we're acknowledging the greatness of our God. And that's exactly what Nehemiah did in his prayer. He knew the predicament he was in. And he knew that, humanly speaking, it was impossible to resolve. Have you ever been in a position where you think it's just not going to work out? I don't know how ends are going to meet. I don't know how I'm going to take care of this. I don't know how I'm going to get through this health situation. I don't know how I'm going to survive this. We all go through those times, and Nehemiah was facing one of those And he thought, how in the world is this thing going to get turned around? But he wasn't restricted, Nehemiah, by human ability. He had a relationship with his God. He was able to enter into this all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God. And he had this view of God that with God, all things are possible. And that is the view that we are called to have as followers of Christ. And so that's why he starts in that very first part of his prayer, O Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God. That even in his prayer, fasting, weeping, despair, he was still focused on God Almighty, the only one who is great, who is all-powerful, who is all-knowing, who is always present, and who can always get us through whatever the situation is. See, Nehemiah found his heart in that right place. And you and I need the same thing. We need the compass of our hearts turned towards us. In the King James, it actually says Yahweh. And Yahweh is there as a a reminder that God never reneges on his promises. His promises are yea and amen. Amen. When God says, I will do it, do you think he's going to do it? Now, we had a prophetic word here earlier. Did you hear what it said? What did did it say? What did it say? The winds from the four four corners of the earth are going to blow alive in the church. And so Nehemiah, when we think about this, he's saying, you know, this all-present, all-powerful, all-knowing God is able to bring about what he says he will do. As a matter of fact, when Nehemiah's praying, we see that within his prayer, and we'll talk about that just next, about this reminding of God of what he has promised. And so when I hear that prophetic word, and we record that, and I look at it, I have to say, Lord, this is what you said. Now, it's not your written word, but it's by your spirit, by the, the rhema word. And you said you were going to do this, so I'm going to believe that you're going to bring the prodigals home. I'm going to believe that you're going to save my family. I'm going to believe, Lord, according to your word, that you are the great healer and the restorer of the broken ruins. I believe, God, that all things are possible with you because that's who you are. And I either walk that out or I don't. I either live that or I don't. And that was Nehemiah's predicament. He was was in a bondage place. He was in a captive place. He had no control over his coming and going. He was a cupbearer to the king. You know what a cupbearer of the king did? Anybody know? So he took the cup to the king like this. Well, it wasn't a Texas mug, but he took the cup to the king. And what did the cupbearer have to do? Why? How would you like that job? How would you like that job? There's always people want to take the king out. Just have a little poison in the ring and like that, give it to the cupbearer. Cupbearer takes it to the king. King holds it up for the king. King says, have you tried these yet? And he goes, no, not yet. He says, well, what are you waiting for? I was a cupbearer of the king. My life was on the line every single day because the king, I took the cup to the king every single day. And every single day, I might be poisoned. Every single day, I might die. Think about that. And so that's who this man is. And yet, he just did what God had called him to do, and he was doing his job, and Our prayer time should always be about the acknowledgement of God. Even Jesus, when the disciples said to to, to Jesus, they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. What did he say? What was the first thing that he said? Our Father, who art in heaven, what? Hallowed be thy name. Great is your name. Holy is your name is what it's really saying. And so in the, the beginning of our prayer, it should not be, Lord, you know all my problems. I hope you fix them today. Here's my list, da, 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 da. Because that can be a tendency of ours. But when do we just stop and say, hallowed be your name, great is your name, holy are you, Father, worthy of praise. You are the only one, God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, the giver of life. When was the last time that that you and I just stopped for a moment and spent that, that quality time like that in prayer? That's the challenge that we see as he acknowledges the goodness and the greatness of God. The second thing that he does is he shifts gears. He reminds God. (laughs) He reminds God of the covenant that he has made with Israel. Do you remember a man named Abraham? I think there was a covenant made with Abraham a long time before Nehemiah, and that promise was still the same forever and ever and ever. And notice what he says here. He says, he who keeps the covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands. Verses 8 and 9, I want to read it again. He says, remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses. So he's going back to Moses saying, if you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations." But, now this is the key. This is where Nehemiah wants to go. But if you return to, to me and obey my what? Commands, then, then even... If your exiled people are to the farthest horizons, the north, the south, the east, and the west, I will gather them from there, and I will bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. What was that place? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And so God is saying that when you turn back to me, watch what I'm going to do. And I thought, why did Nehemiah have to remind God? Does God forget? Do you forget things? Oh yeah. How many of you still remember we're having one service at 10? You know, uh, yeah, I you know we forget things. We forget things. I, I've i been notorious to go into a room to get something and forgot why well, I'm in there. I, I was thinking of something like my phone. I, I had my phone in the in the washroom and I wanted to plug it in. I was doing a couple other things and then I thought, oh yeah, I better get my phone. and I, did two more things, and then I walked in the washroom because that's where it was, and I stopped there and going, now why am I in here? <laughs> now it's not from drugs or anything else; it's just there I am, and I, and then I, oh yeah, my phone. I go, oh boy. Well, we're forgetful, but thankfully our God's not. God never, ever, ever forgets anything. He chooses to forget. He says, "I remember your sins no more." Who who remembers your sins no more? So God chooses to forget. He says, I take them as far as the east is from the west. And what? He says, I don't remember them. I choose. I make a choice. And so this is our amazing God. And Nehemiah knows this. And yet he's reminding God of this this covenant relationship. And it's a powerful lesson to me about prayer. Because I believe it pleases the Lord to hear us quote back to him his word that we not only know but believe. Your word says Lord this. You know when I, the first time I was healed, when I when I uh, had a, a, a bowel issue and I was on medication for it and I've talked about that, it's called colitis and it's a horrible thing and uh, I being a brand new Christian, was reading the Bible, you know, if someone's a new Christian and they want to know where to read the Bible, where do you tell them to go? Genesis or Revelation? Thank you. John. Yeah, yeah. Don't go to Genesis or Revelation. No, no. Don't do that. Uh, Yeah, go to the Gospel of John. Why? Why do we tell people go to John? Is that just the Christian answer? Why do we do that? Shows God's love. But John was the closest to Jesus. So we get this really personal perspective. And so I'm reading the gospel of John, and I'm reading about healings and so on. And I said to April, I said, God can heal me of this because that's what the Bible says. New Christians, nobody's told us different. Isn't that wonderful? We don't have a bunch of baggage. Jesus sets us free. And so, you know, let's not get caught up in the baggage. Let's believe in the word of God. So when, when Pastor Wayne's up here praying for Carissa, I'm picturing new lungs in her in Jesus' name. When they're praying for, for Ron Gert's hip, I'm saying, Lord, give him a new hip in Jesus' name. And so on. You know, and so I just said to April, I said, Well, let's pray that I'll be healed. Let's, let's just pray I'll be healed. And I remember, now, I'm not telling you to do this, so don't go home and do this. <laughs> All right, this is what I did. So I took my medication, and, and you're not supposed to do this either. I dumped it down the toilet. <laughs> and I flushed it, and I said, there, I'm healed. Now, don't do that. But I'll tell you this, when I did go see my doctor, and I told him, he just about fell over. He went like, he, there was a stool, he went. He said, you did What? I said, well, I got rid of my medication. Why? Because God healed me. He's like, oh, not another one of these guys. <laughs> Seriously. And then they started running tests, and, and, and it came back. I was healed. And, and he didn't know how to explain it. You see, God can use the simple to profound the wise. <laughs> and that's our God. And Nehemiah is reminding God of his promises And that we as his children do not want to forsake his word and what he has said to us. Does he follow through the instant I say, hey, that's a promise, do it right now? Not necessarily. How many years was it from Abraham to Nehemiah? You know, how many years from the promise of the Savior coming, the Messiah? And so God's timing is his timing. But that doesn't change the truth of his word and his promises. Because they are yea and amen. And so I hold on to those, Nehemiah held on to those, and you and I need to together. Thirdly, he confessed, this is a big one, he confessed Israel's sin. And this is in verses 6 and 7, that uh, he, he just lays it right out there for, for the Lord, and, he, and, and the Lord knows this, but he has to, you know, as he's saying about let your ears be attentive and so on, and he says, let your, your ear and, attentive and eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying in this place, the people of Israel, I confess, says the people of israel i confess the sins of israelites including myself my father's house we've committed against you we collectively have acted very wickedly towards you we haven't obeyed your commands your decrees your laws you gave your servant moses we have failed in this now nehemiah and daniel both these two men who are in captivity both that we we read about in scripture They remained faithful to God. But they didn't make excuses or blame others for their current state. We live in a culture and society that blames everybody else. It's everybody else's fault and everybody else's problem. I hear it over and over again. And I'm sure that God is not pleased if I take that behavior. These two men if we study them, they didn't rationalize away their own involvement in Israel's corporate failure. They didn't say, hey, I'm not a part of this. This is why both of these men confessed Israel's sin and they said, hey, we're part of this. We're not separate from, we're part of the problem. You know, far too often we make excuses for the fall out of our own sins. We make excuses for our sins. I do not see Nehemiah making excuses he's just saying hey this is what's happened this is what's been going on I point the finger maybe at others I say oh you know it was my, my parents problem it was my dad was into pornography so that opened the door for me so it's his fault or if I drank too much somebody I knew drank too much and I hung around them so I started to drink it's their fault and on and on and on we can go but it doesn't bring healing it doesn't break the chains. And we have to be truthful about our lives and our sin. And throughout the history of Israel, no matter how serious their sin, in spite of their failure as a nation, there was always a remnant who refused to bend their knee to the things of the world. There were three gentlemen who, uh, who Daniel knew rather well. And they had odd names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Right? Those three men are perfect examples to us that when a nation now think about Canada our nation as, a, as Canada is going in the wrong direction spiritually. And so we're I, I, every day in my prayers I't with you but I'm praying for our prime minister, our premier, for our nation because we're a nation that's destroying itself. We are a very blessed nation, are we not? Canada's a great country. But, but, when we are, for many, many years, allowing things that, that I'm guilty of because I wanted my wife to have an abortion when I wasn't a believer. Thankfully not, our daughter was just here. But I was the one who said to April we should have an abortion. And that's okay. It's okay for For what we see happening with the laws changing in the land you know i'm wondering we as believers where do we fit into this what is our prayer life what is our testimony what is our witness and 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 the marriage course is just one big step of a of saying hey there's a difference because jesus makes a difference and he can bring healing to a a home and a marriage even if these people who are taking it don't turn their lives to christ they're going to find out some principles that are godly, and he will honor them. And our, my prayer has been that those individuals will experience the love of Jesus. But in this nation where we where we also have euthanasia now, so you're killing them at both ends of the spectrum. So much so now that our government, we just most recently have received information that if we want to hire a summer student, we have to embrace all the liberal theology that's out there. If we don't, then we don't get a grant. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like socialism. And so, I can talk about those things, and I can maybe complain about those things, but Scripture says to pray for those in authority over you. And if we don't pray for this nation, then God, forgive us. Because I will stand before my heavenly father someday and I cannot make excuses about my life. And it's all laid bare and he chooses to remember some of those things, it seems. And so I will have to give account. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, no, the whole nation was bending its knee to Nebuchadnezzar. They would not bend their knees to the things of the world and what was happening in the society and the culture. They would not go there. And because they would not go there, their lives were threatened, and God saved them. Amazing story. So I thought, you know, if I'm a fully devoted follower of Christ, and I believe in God Almighty, am I willing, as a Canadian, to pay the ultimate price? Because all around the world, we have brothers and sisters in Christ who are paying the ultimate price. They are not bending their knees to communism, to socialism. They're not bending their knees to Islam. And when they don't bend their knees to those things, many of them are losing their lives. It's happening now more than ever. As the church grows, persecution increases. And so that's what's happening. And I look at our culture, and I want to tell you that things happen slowly. It's a slow decline. It's not, it's not boom, boom. Satan's smarter than that. So it's just this slow decay of society, of culture, of God's standards. And if you and I embrace the decay, then we become part of it. So somewhere, we have to make a stand as a believer in love, in mercy, and grace, but not compromising. And so I see this with Nehemiah as he's in this place of confession. For such a time as this, it seems the Lord raised him up as well, not just Esther. And for such a time as this, the Lord has raised you up and me up in this nation for such a time as this. And we have to recognize that and be willing to embrace what God is doing just as Nehemiah did. And so I say, Lord, in our Canadian culture, bring our prime minister to yourself in Jesus' name. Bring our premier to the cross in Jesus' name. That Kathleen Witt would experience the love of Jesus in a genuine, real way, not in a condemning way, but in a loving way, that she could be set free, just as God wants to set all of us free. That we're not a people of bondage. And finally, the last thing we see he did here, as he said, I'm a cupbearer to the king, and he said right at the end that he wanted favor in the presence of this man. He recognized that his help was from God, but God uses people. God uses people. And so, Nehemiah had the right posture before God, but at the same time recognizing that God will use others who are not even believers to bless you. Isn't that amazing? He will use non-believers to bless us, and I've experienced that many times, many times. And I I remember, and the the, the thing that I remember the most is when uh, I was going through seminary, or actually, I was Bible college at that time, and... uh, um, I don't wanna get into the whole thing of the Masons and that, but, but there is a branch of that called the Eastern Star. That's the women branch, right? And uh, I think I was in my second year, eh hun? At uh, EBC, second or third year. And the, uh, the United Church that we were a part of in, in Kerwood and then coming here, uh, we were still had a connection back there. Um, Bob, the pastor there, he contacted me and he said, hey Rob, there's, there's some money's available for students through the Eastern Star. I had no idea. I never even heard of the Eastern Star. I said, what is that? And he said, oh, it's complicated. And I said, okay. And then he told me, and I said, well, I'm not going to take money from them. I'm not, that's, uh, I'm not, I don't want anything to do with that. You know, I don't want anything to do with a cult or anything, because I was involved in that stuff, and now God set me free, and I don't want a part of it. And he said, well, pray about it. And so I did pray about it, and God took me to the story of Elijah and the story of the ravens bringing the food to Elijah now have you ever looked at a raven they are a filthy dirty stinking bird you know and and they they land on dead bodies and dead stuff and they pick through it and yeah and then they then they want to bring that to Elijah I started reading that story and the Lord just in the middle of the night I woke up and I started reading it and the Lord said if I can use the ravens, filthy ravens to bring food to Elijah, I can use them to bring money to you to get you through school to do what I've called you to do I was like whoa and so much so in the second year they asked me to come and speak and I'll never forget it, (laughs) remember that honey downtown Toronto at uh, what was the hotel Royal York So it was a big, big affair for them, big affair. And they picked one of the students, and they had picked me to speak. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) So you don't know, folks, what God's going to do. That's the point. Nehemiah had no idea when he started to pray that he would be the one rebuilding a wall. But God said, this is what I want you to do. So I had the chance to preach, and I preached on Nicodemus, and they were ready to throw me out. Except for one lady. She appreciated it. We've seen God's provision time and time again. Driving movies for Christ. Total non-believers. Ontario Hydro giving us poles for free. Drilling the holes for us and sticking them in the ground. There's your dollars at work. Ontario Hydro. We said, there's no way Ontario, how'd do this? So we prayed and we asked the Lord, Lord, we need these poles. Hydro's got this big old drill. Can we use it? let's ask. We prayed, we asked. They said, sure. I'm sure later they went, why did we do that? (laughs) You see, that's our God. And he will give us favor in the strangest ways, in the strangest places, and don't always believe it's going to be the body of Christ. It can be anybody, anywhere, anytime. But we have to be prepared for that and wait for him and say, Lord, I know you can do this through the body. Thank you. I can know. I know you do the supernatural, but you also use others who don't even know you to bless the body of Christ. That's amazing to me. Absolutely amazing to me. That's how big our God is, folks. Don't put him in a box. Don't just, just think, well, you know, the body should respond to this way. Yes or no? But God uses all kinds of people in all kinds of situations. And so that's how Nehemiah ends. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.